0: Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry, episode 80 of this program here on KSL News Radio. We've covered a lot of ground today. We spoke, of course, about the uh, saga that played out on uh, board uh, a United States aircraft carrier, the Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, the, uh, The commanding officer was relieved by. Uh, Secretary of the Navy, Thomas uh, Modley. I shared that story with you before the press conference. And wouldn't you believe it? As soon as the press conference began, I got a little alert to my phone that said that that secretary had offered uh, his resignation, had sent uh, via a letter to Defense Secretary Mark Esper uh, offering his resignation. That coming after he boarded that ship and spoke to the crew of some 4,000 claiming that their former commanding officer, uh, was uh, stupid or naive, using that language in reference to a uh, captain in the United States Navy, Brett Crozier, who had been in command of that nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Stunning developments, uh, and in fact, I am not surprised. I uh, predicted otherwise. Uh, I had predicted that he would uh, maybe get a slap on the wrist of sorts, uh, but to see now that he has offered his resignation, uh, in fact, I, uh, I do applaud that. Uh, You don't disrespect a commanding officer, especially to uh, those uh, sailors underneath that command uh, who so beloved him, as evidenced by uh, a number of the uh, words of support shared by those sailors. Anyway, that's a tangent. I just wanted to give you that update that the Secretary of the Navy, the Acting Secretary, has uh, offered uh, via a letter his resignation following the, the story I shared with you earlier in the program. Online now, we have Utah Congressman Chris Stewart. Uh, who joins us to talk about the CARES Act and the rollout of such. You heard some of the updates uh, via the press conference hosted by uh, Governor Herbert and others. And, uh, well, uh, let's talk uh, about things at the federal level. Now we've got Congressman Stewart here. Sir, how are you doing?
1: I am well. Uh, Leah, good to be with you. I hope we can come back and uh, talk briefly about this commander and the Secretary of the Navy. I think there are some important lessons in that but uh, regarding CARES Act in the federal uh, Federal, you know, it turns out it's actually pretty huge, to the tune of about $2.2 trillion worth is huge as far as the federal government's involvement in this.
0: And what are, what are you seeing these days? Uh, are, are folks taking advantage of everything available to them? Uh, what, what would you advise folks?
1: Yeah, well, if you're a small businessman, if you're self employed if you are someone who has been laid off, there is aid and assistance for almost all of you on this. And it's just essential, Lee, we've never seen this situation. I mean, we've literally never seen it, where you had a, a global economy that was interconnected as a spider web, and it just dissolved underneath us in a matter of eight or ten days. And there was no way to prepare for that economically. And, uh, and so I think the first thing that we should always say, and the federal government is involved with clearly, CDC, HHS, and, and every other agency, is in protecting American lives, to defeating this virus, to finding the antivirals and medications, eventually a vaccine, to doing the social distancing. That has to be our priority right now. But we also have to talk about how do we get people back to work and how do we help them in the interim? And so, once again, if you're a small business owner or or self-employed, if you've been laid off, there is assistance for you. It's been nearly, as you can imagine, overwhelming to the SBA, to the banks, others who are assisting, because you're taking essentially about a third of the economy and dumping it in their laps and saying, take care of this for us, and you got to do it in the next five days, which is how much time they had to to gin up. But, But I know that money is getting out starting at midnight last Friday. Uh, it, it's not working perfectly, but it's working remarkably well for how much time they had to prepare and how much assistance there's going to be required. And uh, we're hearing actually some pretty good things from people who have been very distressed for a couple of weeks now.
0: We've heard from uh, Mitch McConnell uh, as well, uh, voicing some of his desire to see uh, there be some bolstering to this payroll relief. As these small businesses uh, face the question of how they're going to make payroll, uh, he would like to see what is in place now uh, strengthened even further. I'm aware that there was a a letter circulated from Speaker Pelosi that there may be a, a, a fourth Uh, stimulus package uh, crafted or maybe a a stimulus package 3.5 what can you tell us along those lines
1: yeah, I think a 3.5 is a better a better uh, kind of description of it because it's not going to be nearly to the scope of the first one. What we're seeing, though, is that some of this money is depleting even more quickly than we thought that it would. But once again, the foundation of what was in, in February, just five weeks ago, the strongest economy in 60 years, has just been pulled out from underneath us. And and I think we're going to have to have maybe a little more supplemental and, and the necessity for that. Uh, I, I can tell you this, that if Ms. Pelosi, and I know that she's going to try, if she she uses this as an opportunity to push more new Green Deal stuff and more enhancements for unions and, and, you know, federalizing the voter uh, process, et cetera, et cetera, then, you know, there's just not going to be support for that. But if if this is narrow and if it's focused on helping those who need it most, and by the way, Lee, you know, this is something that I think has been lost in this, and that is if you're a professional, not all of you, but many professionals, white-collar workers, they can work from home. And many of them are getting their paycheck. But if you are a blue-collar worker, those who are in many cases you know, not making as much money, those who live paycheck to paycheck, they have been decimated. And that's where we have to focus. We have to focus on those lower-income workers who can't work at home and give them the aid they need. Again, we've got a really good start on that. We may need a slight addition to that. Uh, I don't think we really understand that yet. I think Mitch is right. We need to wait and see how this is used before we make any decisions. And let's just evaluate and implement what we have for right now.
0: I Let me ask you an odd question. And, and I want to, if you don't mind, hold you over into the next segment to have a conversation about our national defense and how the coronavirus has been affecting uh, such. But let me ask you this. You mentioned those white-collar workers who have the ability to work from home uh, and continue to gain income. Many of those folks will be on the receiving end of these stimulus checks, uh, $1,200, you know, if they they qualify. What would you advise those individuals to do with uh, those $1,200? The ones who are still receiving income, the ones who can make rent, the ones who can uh, pay their mortgage, food on the shelves. What would you advise them to do uh, with this uh, added $1,200 they find in their accounts?
1: Yeah, you know, that is a great question. And 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 I said very early, there were some who supported or proposed giving every American this check. And I said, I think that's nonsense. Uh, I don't need this check. A lot of people don't need this check. Instead of giving me a little bit of money, give more money to those who really, really need it. Give it to those who have lost their jobs, who are living off, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, as, as too many people are. And so, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get a check or not. I really don't. But if I did, I promise you that I'm not going to spend it. Uh, and people say, well, you need to spend it, put it in the economy. Well, I will contribute that to a charity that I know will put it to use and that it will get to people who need it. And I would ask others to consider doing that. If you don't need this money, then give it to someone who does. Because uh, My gosh, Lee, think about this. More than 10 million Americans filing for unemployment in two weeks. That's astounding. That's that's multitudes higher than anything we've ever seen. Many of those people, as I said, are blue collar workers who don't know how they're going to pay rent, who actually don't have the savings to buffer them through for for several months. Uh, You know, I I hope that people and and I believe the American people are generous. They're extraordinarily generous. They're the most generous nation in the history of the world, and that's, that's just a fact. It's well documented, and I think a lot of people will be generous with that aid and, and, and help distribute it to people who need it perhaps more than they do. 100%.
0: Uh, Congressman Chris Stewart, a former Air Force officer. Sir, I'm going to ask you to hang on with us and have another conversation with me after the break. I want to talk uh, to you, and I want to get your uh, views on how this coronavirus has been impacting uh, our national defense. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this this is ksl news radio i'm dave cawley investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold don't miss cold's new season three where i look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie warren a woman last seen leaving her job at a salt lake city office in 1985 police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains Find Cold Season 3, The Search For Cherie, anywhere
1: you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want to give a quick update on the challenge I put forth regarding blood donation. A friend of mine, Marco Diaz, I haven't seen him in a good long time, uh, but was so pleased to receive a message from him in the commercial break saying that, hey, Lee, I was listening to your show and uh, want you to... Uh, know that we've decided to donate blood. I've got an appointment scheduled for next week with ARUP. Thanks for the reminder. Hope you and your family are doing well. So we've got today uh, taken care of. Thanks so much, uh, Marco. Tomorrow, I'm going to extend this uh, challenge to you again. It is my hopes that through the duration of this coronavirus deal, uh, that this program, this show, Live Mike, uh, can bring about at least one uh, unit of blood donated. Uh, So I need uh, your help. Each day, I need someone to step up and uh, let us all know that they're going to take care of that today and donate a unit of blood marco diaz got it all taken care of today uh we'll touch base uh, tomorrow see who it is on the phone right now we are joined by utah congressman chris stewart i am so grateful to him for his time and his expertise and his perspective on things and i want to uh, set the stage real quickly for this next portion of the conversation by saying i don't have many regrets in life but one of them is not having served in the military i many members of my family have served in the military, many serving still today. Uh, Many of the men and women I look up to and admire professionally and personally are all either currently serving in the military or have served in the past. My father, uh, when I was... When 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 he found out that uh, my mom was pregnant for me, uh, he joined the military uh, and served a number of years. Uh, and that's, in fact, where he first got into journalism and broadcasting and ultimately uh, put me on the path uh, where I find myself today. Anyway, so I say that all just to set the stage that I... Uh, i I feel disqualified sometimes from telling certain stories because I am unfamiliar with some of the dynamics of brotherhood uh, and service that uh, are associated with stories, in particular this one that we have heard uh, from the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Over the past week or so, uh, a story has played out where the commanding officer has been relieved of duty for making it known that the ship was facing an outbreak of the coronavirus. Then the secretary, the acting secretary of the Navy, uh, a gentleman named Thomas Mowdley, he boarded that ship and over the PA system spoke to the some 4,000 sailors serving aboard and spoke in very, very harsh terms uh, about their former commanding officer the Captain uh, Brett Crozier. He said uh, that his behavior uh, could only come about should the man have been uh, either naive or stupid. He offered an apology yesterday. Uh, The update today is that the Secretary of the Navy, Acting Secretary, has submitted a letter to Defense Secretary Mark Esper saying uh, or offering forth his resignation. And uh, while I've got the congressman here on the line, a uh, former Air Force officer himself, uh, I, I just wondered if, if if you might share with us, sir, your thoughts and reactions to this whole saga.
1: Well, you know, Lee, what you said is true, and I'll even elaborate on. Then I'll comment on this, but that is, our military has the best young men and young women that this nation has to offer and uh, And I'm so grateful for them and I'm, and my wife and I are grateful for the time we were able to serve. Uh, I think in this particular case, both of these gentlemen, who I think are are honorable, decent people, who are strong leaders and uh and and, and, and men that i I would respect, but they both made significant mistakes. Uh, for the commander of the Theodore Roosevelt, there is not just a just an attitude. It's not just, you know, the environment you work on. It, it is an ethos within the military that there is a chain of command and that you work privately within the chain of command. And the commander of the of the Roosevelt didn't do that. He sent this email regarding a, a concern that he had, but he sent it to more than twenty people, and I think fully anticipated. And, and, and the expectation is that he knew that that was going to be leaked to the media. The problems that he brought up were already being addressed by the by the Navy command. And the, and the last thing that he did is he frightened his own sailors by, I think, making the threat seem more dire than it was. And he revealed to the world that one of the carriers, one of the few carriers that we have deployed right now is out of commission. And, and as a, again, as a professional military officer, I look at that and I just, I just think that was a horrible mistake. He handled it so poorly. But so did the secretary. For him to go out and make these comments, it was unnecessary. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't well thought out. He clearly let, let emotion take the best of him. And to take, uh, take the opportunity to talk to the crew and to have that kind of attitude about their former commander was, I think, inexcusable as well. And, and it's too bad, but uh, I think both men. Uh, made mistakes here for which the military is is, is serious about holding people accountable. And, uh, and I think in both of these instances, they should.
0: Do you think that their two respective careers are over?
1: Uh, uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, the commander is looking for reassignment. Uh, and, uh, of course, the secretary... Of the Navy serves the the or the will and, and discretion of the president. Uh, so you know his career regarding his serving in the Navy is probably over, but the commander's probably isn't. He can, I think, he can recover professionally from this. And and if I were his uh, his supervisor, uh, one of the admirals over him, I would certainly give him an opportunity to uh, continue to serve um, and maybe in a different role. Uh, but no, I I don't think this is the kind of thing for which necessarily you. Force someone into retirement, but again, it just—it just—it's it just, a mistake. But it's—it's it's a mistake that's just frankly inexcusable for either one of them to do this, especially at a time when there's so much emotion about this virus, anyway. Yeah.
0: Let me let me ask you now uh, more generally. How has the coronavirus affected our national defense?
1: Yeah, that is an, is an incredibly important question and one that I've spent. Uh, you know, a couple hours this morning talking with people back in D.C. with uh, undersecretaries and others, you know, to answer that question. One of the challenges we have is we can't answer that without me going down to one of the skiffs and, and getting in the classified setting, which, sure. of course, we will do when necessary. But, uh, but uh, again, we'll use the Theodore Roosevelt as an example. Uh, we only have about a dozen carriers. And people think, oh, good, we got a dozen aircraft carriers. That means, you know, 9 or 10 or 11 of them are out at seating time. That's not true. It's a number that's much less than that, and now we know that one of them's been taken out of commission while the crew is in, in isolation or being re- rehabilitated you know as they go through medical. Uh, procedures. And, you know, that's an important thing for our adversaries to know. Uh, the president talked last week, he sent a message to Iran based on some intelligence we've received saying, don't take advantage of this opportunity. Do not test us now. And I have encouraged national security staff that if anyone challenges us, whether it's Iran or China, South China Sea, we need to immediately respond and respond aggressively because they need to know you cannot take advantage of this opportunity. We will defend American interests we will defend liberty, and we certainly are capable of doing that. One of the other things that we have to look at is the number of military members who actually have uh, been diagnosed with the disease or, are, are, or with the virus or are not feeling well. Those who can't can't uh, perform their duties. Another one is, you know, the the shipyards, for example, they are building some of our new naval ships. They're they're manned at about 50 percent manning right now. It's going to. It's going to delay some of the delivery of these weapon systems that we're counting on. So, I mean, this is a problem that's far-reaching through the military and the concerns we have in maintaining our readiness.
0: Are you comfortable and confident, though, with the redundancies that we over the years have put into place? And certainly uh, in, the, you know, in, in the aftermath of the Obama administration, have we rebuilt ourselves to a place where we have redundancies sufficient to maintain uh, the, the military might that, we, uh, that, that maintains a, a certain level of peace around the world?
1: Yeah, we can we can defend our interests. We can defend that, our national security and uh, and liberty and freedom around the world. There's no question about that. We are the strongest military the world has ever seen. Are we where we need to be? Not quite yet. And and, and I'll give you an illustration. Of this I often share this with people, and sometimes they roll their eyes and go, "It just can't be true." But I promise you, this is. When I left the military, there was 157 fighter squadrons. The last year of the Obama administration, there were 56. Now, think about that, 157 down to 56, of which many of them were not combat capable. They didn't have the man, equipment, the training, and the, me- and the weapons to actually deploy and do combat missions. We have addressed that over the last three years with uh, significant increases in defense spending, which I supported and realized that they were essential. Uh, as I say, we've got a little ways to go, which is why we're going to continue to try to fix some of those Uh, some of those gaps this year. Uh, Coronavirus is making a little harder, particularly on the Manning side. But there's nothing that I see that is so deadly to the point where I think, oh my gosh, this is a time when our enemies could strike and defeat us, because I just don't believe that's true.
0: Very good. We'll leave it at that. Congressman Chris Stewart, grateful to you for your time, grateful to you for your service, grateful to you for your insight. Let's speak again soon, all right?
1: It's an honor. Thank you.
0: All righty. We're going to take a quick break here and we're going to continue our focus on the military and the impact that the coronavirus has had. Our guest will be Jenny
1: Taylor. You know her. She is currently serving as the civilian aide to the secretary of the Army.